Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. beloved welcome to today's podcast of wisdom smack with me your host michelle spiva and your actual practical priestess of wisdom join us because today we're going to be talking about two things you already possess you already use and you already know to help you build your endurance for mental health in trying times like now so join me on the flip as we're going to be talking about, I'm going to cover some things about the four brains. Did you know we got four brains? And how you can use these two things to help regulate and give yourself a better chance for keeping your sanity and your calm throughout whatever may come. So I will see you on the flip and thank you for listening. Hey there, and welcome to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. As I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about how to develop your mental health endurance. And so what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to be uh, taking you through um, the parts of the brain and then tying those together to the mind because the brain and the mind are, are the same but different. The brain is the physical aspect that lives within our body. And then the mind is that um, ethereal aspect of uh what we think, believe, and our thoughts and the like. So I will also, because this is how we do it here, wisdom has a word for us. And I'm going to be giving you two things that you already consider, or that you already use to consider to help you to strengthen your mental health endurance. But first, like I like to do, I want to look at the word endurance and look at it from an etymological standpoint. And I want to say this, that when you look at endurance, it comes from a meaning that says to uh, continue to exist. And it also used to mean um, from its origins in the late 1300s to undergo or suffer. And so it comes out as to undergo or suffer, to continue to exist by making hard, hardened, uh, or to keep up and maintain. And if you guys can even think about what the 1300s were for and, you know, of course, this is talking about like a European understanding. Times were very hard uh, and the life expectancy. If you got over 30 years old, you were considered an old wizened person. So life was really hard. And so for endurance in that regard, it meant to be very hard to break and rigid. 
But as we've evolved, endurance is more about the continuing to exist in a a good way. When I say solid, meaning stable way. So looking at the end, the energy of the word to endure and coupling it with mental health is I'm hoping going to help you to see that no matter what is going on, there is a perception that we have to use this energy of ours to maintain our mental health because it is not promised to us just because we live. Okay. Now here's the big conundrum that uh, we're looking at in today's world. And I know there's nothing new under the sun. I have also talked about how change is the only constant there is. And within that change being the only constant there is, understanding that times change. And right now we're in a very flexible time where logic is not working the way we think it should work. And nothing is behaving the way we think it should up is sometimes sideways down is some sometimes to the back you know it's it's just not working and so it's very flexible so how do you keep and maintain mental health in a topsy-turvy environment and world how do you endure you know with the hardness to stand firm um to reinforce your mental health every day when nothing is um as it seems and you don't even have a good um, way to stand on something all right so posing those questions wisdom has a word for us she's got a wisdom smack for us and she's basically saying that everything you need you already have Uh, and we're just going to hopefully reframe it in a way that's easy to understand and to get the wisdom because wisdom is not about these highfalutin convoluted ways of thought it's really about the practicality of elevating what you know so that you are now wise enough to continue to grow hey that rhymes all right so let's look at it so with mental endurance the first thing you want to do especially if you're trying to maintain your mental health in unstable times is to establish a a baseline of uh, solidity you know being able to anchor to sanity and calm and one of the things that will help is to understand that your mental health is predicated on four areas and these four areas physically live in the brain and they live in the mind and those are self-awareness, self-preservation, creativity, and reason. Now I'm going to be talking briefly about the four brains and I'm going to try not to use most of my time geeking out about all the different things, but I'm going to touch on them and I'm actually going to put a link to an article that gives you a 3D representation of the different physical areas of the brain in the show notes okay all right so with self-preservation self-preservation lives in that back part of the brain that we know as the reptilian brain but it's actually the brain stem and I don't want to get ahead of myself with the four brains but I just want to link them so that when I talk about them you'll know what I'm talking about self-preservation self-preservation uh houses all of the involuntary actions uh it houses the central nervous system or 
connects to the central nervous system. You know, those are the functions that you can't um, voluntarily mess with. Like, try it, you know, I'm not saying try it, but one of the best examples would be if you try to hold your breath, your body will make you faint and take over to keep you breathing before you can make yourself expire by holding your breath. If you've ever seen a little kid try it, it is hilarious. I mean, they will turn beet red, fall out, and their brain just takes back over. So that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about self-preservation. And that's what we would call the base brain, or it is the brain stem. And um, it's also called the reticular formation. Uh, we also know it in uh, lore, as the reptile, the serpent, you know, those types of things. All right. And so then the next one is self-awareness. Now, self-awareness lives in the mid part of the brain. And um, I'll be talking about it as part of the four brains. And self-awareness is where we get our sensory, our uh, ability to feel, uh, house, mem not house, but process and, and develop memories uh, where we have our happy and sadness where a lot of the neurotransmitters of um the mental um conditioning of happy sad joy and all of those things live and that's going to be in the diencephalon area of the brain it's uh it's in the mid and hind part of the brain but like i said if you check out that uh, article it'll better explain what i'm trying to say but i don't want to spend too much time on it just simply to say if you've um ever had or dealt with someone who's dealing with depression that self-awareness part the diencephalon area that's where the amygdala the hippocampus the hypothalamus the pituitary gland all of those live in that little area okay so then we have the creativity and the creativity is also in this area, but going forward in the middle part of the brain. And that's where you're going to be hitting the parietal lobe of a bigger, uh, the, the bigger part of the brain that I'm going to talk about, which is the front part of the brain or it's front and top i guess is what we'll say and it is the largest part it is what we think the brain is when we're looking at it head on it's that crinkly part you know that uh with the deep fissures and 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 the like and that's where reason and um logic function especially in the frontal lobe of that all right so to keep this from turning into a biological talk i'm just going to simply say this the four parts of the brain are the cerebral, which is the large part. It is so large that it has four lobes. It's got the frontal lobe where we have that reason I just talked about. It's got the top part, the parietal lobe where you get um, a lot of that reason and the and parts of the self-awareness from. It's got the and it's got the two temporal lobes on either side. And then it's got the occipital lobe in the back. All right. So the next part, of the brain so we've got the cerebrum it's the biggest part of the brain on period the next part is the cerebellum now the cerebellum is that knot of muscle that you usually see at underneath the the cerebrum and it does a lot of heavy lifting it is there to help us to have movement to stay upright to keep us balanced if you mess up your cerebrum 
you're going to have hearing problems. It is very important. It sends the messages to the brain to evaluate when we have a movement so that we can self-correct. It is the reason why when you take a step and it's un and the, the ground is uneven, you're able to still know the depth of how far you need to step. The cerebrum is why hikers are able to do what they're able to do, climbers and the like. And then we have the brain stem or the reticular formation. We also know it as the mammalian brain. We know it as the, the serpent and all of these types of things. And this, ooh, that, that part of the brain is extremely powerful because without it, we don't have a way for the fourth type of brain to really sit and stay. That base part of the brain, the brainstem, is where all the other brains connect to. And it's kind of like the central hub where it enables the cerebellum to talk to the cerebrum, to talk to the diencephalon, uh, so that we have a cohesive thought um, process to help us to be the humans we are. And so then that last one, the diencephalon with uh, the, the creativity and some of the self-awareness, the happy spot, you know, where you're able to process emotions, you're able to uh, have sensory and memory and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's where that lives. Now, I know that I ran through that really fast. And like I said, check out the show notes where I have a wonderful link from an article that gives really vibrant beautiful pictures of what uh, these areas look like, you know, but because of sake of time, and I want to deal with these two things that wisdom, the wisdom smack for today, um, I'm moving quickly over that. But what I do want to say is that when we think about the fact that we have a tangible brain, and we have an ethereal mind, and they both require things that we must do to keep them healthy. I want us to remember that in times like this, the external inputs that are coming into our brain, and now we know that they are really being processed in that diencephalon area of the brain, we don't have to be overwhelmed or overcome by them. We don't have to continuously put up with racing thoughts, the inability to move because we feel stuck in that. Now, I do have some woo-hoo, you know, woo-woo stuff in my notes about uh, the vibrations of the mind and thought. But I think for today, if we have time, I'll talk about them. But for today, I really kind of just want to get into the tangibleness of what is needed to help the brain as best we can. Now, this is going to be without medicines. And because of time, I'm not going to really be talking about quote unquote foods, because if you know anything about the brain, you know that the only thing the brain is trying to hear is about some glucose, sugar. That's the only thing the brain is trying to even think about when it comes to, you know, foods and the like. All right. So the wisdom smack for today, for the rest of our time, I'm going to be really homing in and talking about this a lot, is that your endurance, your ability to be solidified in these, in these flexible times where everything is changing. Wisdom is saying that you already have and do 
the necessary things to give you the best chance of having continued mental health for the regular. Now, let me put my little disclaimer in here. I am not practicing medicine. I am not trying to practice medicine. I am not trying to give you advice. If you are a person that you know something is not right with the wiring and all that kind of stuff, go to a doctor. This is not to try to give you a reason or diagnose anything. Okay. So with that being said, I'm talking to the the just top, you know, the middle part of the bell curve of people who basically you're healthy when it comes to the mental. We're really kind of just talking about how to give yourself the best chance of staying healthy by being more conscious of the things that you do to help you. All right. So here we go. The two things of the wisdom smack of being able to develop mental health endurance are going to be breathing and sleeping. Yeah, breathing and sleeping. So let's get into it. <coughs> Excuse me. Y'all, I'm so excited. I'm taking in a lot of, a lot of air uh, <laughs> as I'm talking. All right. So now with the breathing, one of the things about the breath is that it is a regulator of a lot of functions of the body. And there are practitioners of breathing that are so good that they are able to actually tap into a lot of those involuntary areas of the body, like your heartbeat. There are people who can, the way they breathe, they can consciously and at will change their blood pressure, their breathing, I mean, their um, uh, heartbeats, and their mental state and you possibly do it when you meditate or are you ready for this when you stare at a television screen your phone or a laptop screen for a while now I'll go on and say it when you are looking at these external factors like the telephone the uh, laptop or the TV if you are not aware your breathing gets shallow and shallow breathing. Guess what it does? Yes. It deprives the brain of necessary oxygen to continue to do its processes. That's why they say too much watching of television dumbs you down. And it's not just because of the shallow breathing. It's also because a lot of times uh, mass media is produced to have effects on the brain, to slip past the defenses. And when you don't breathe as you should properly, it just makes it that much easier. But that is a little side note for another time. Um, just note that your breathing can help you, proper breathing, when you're consuming uh, things by way of entertainment and television and visual, your correct deep breathing can possibly help you to become more aware of uh, the different propaganda type things that are done. And I have done a um, podcast about the different types of propaganda. And so it's not just political. There are 10, at least 10 other ways of propaganda that are disseminated through media and they're not all bad. It's just, that is the term that is used, but deep breathing helps you become more aware of when they're happening, all right? So getting back to the health of the breathing. Recently, I was watching um, 
Joe, not well, yeah, was watching him on a podcast, but Joe Rogan had on Rickson Gracie. And Rickson Gracie is a legend in the MMA world. And he has a new book out called Breathe. And if it's out, I'm, I think it's out, but if it's out, I'll make sure that I put it in the show notes so you can go check it out. I have not had a chance to read it. I just want to make sure I say that. I do plan to read it and get it. Um, but the reason why I was really interested is because he is known for this famous documentary documentary from 1999 called Choke. And it was a documentary of him going over to Japan to um, fight in a uh, all out, no, no rules uh, MMA fight before, you know, MMA was really big. Uh, and they showed how he, how he trained and he is known for his breathing and his, he calls it diaphragmic breathing and when they showed it on the the, the uh documentary his stomach was moving in time with these you know these drum beats and and uh even on the joe rogan show he showed a little bit of how you can do rapid breathing to hyperventilate and uh and how you can use hyperventilation to trigger the figure the fear response to trigger more uh neurotransmitters um, to help you when you are fighting or to trick your muscles into giving more than they normally would. I mean, it is empowering to know how much can be done just by breathing. And so with, with the breathing, one of the things that he said that I thoroughly latched onto was that our inhale is actually the uh end of the cycle not the beginning he called he said that the inhale is the result and i like that he said it like that he said most of the time we are concerned with taking in a big inhale and he says how can you take in enough of the real oxygen when you haven't pushed out all of the stale air that's left inside you and he said that's a lot of times why people get in trouble people drown people do different things because they're they're so busy on the inhale trying to take in more oxygen when they're already full of the the used up and depleted air that needs to be released and he said so we have to concentrate more on the exhale and i'm going to tell you if you've ever watched a little newborn baby sleep their little stomachs move up and down or side to side and that's diaphragmic breathing. Uh, your chest, if your chest is moving when you're breathing, that is not the full completion of it. In the diaphragm, around the tummy area, that's where you're gonna get that full expression of the exhale and the inhale. And so learning how to push out all that air, meaning that you're pushing it out all the way from the stomach is going to make room for when you take in the ex inhale to take in more fresh air. And what that does is like another breathing master of our times, Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F-F, -F, and he has many books as well. And you can easily Google him and watch him do some of the breathing techniques that help you to reoxygenate the brain. Now, the fun part about this is, is Rickson Grayson was doing this on his own. Nobody taught him until he found someone after he started figuring out that his training could go further with the way he breathed. And then you have Wilm Hoff across the world where Rickson is in Brazil 
and he's doing this. Uh, Wilm Hoff is over in those cold <laughs> countries. I think Germany, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't want to misspeak on that because I don't have my notes on that. But he was coming up with the same thing as a result of uh, his wife dying by suicide and his grief and how to learn how to heal the mind and the body without getting on the drugs and all that kind of stuff and so having these two fusions of understanding and now wisdom is saying in this topsy-turvy kind of world you must learn how to properly breathe to make sure that you have every chance of having mental health of enduring mental health that cannot be pushed aside by the craziness that happens in our day when you're feeling the racing mind the anxiety the panic because they're real the depression breathing is the go-to first thing and like i said this is for the normal middle of the bell curve people who are not dealing with deeper issues okay so the next thing i want to talk about is the sleeping we are having an avalanche this is an event almost like an event horizon of people having a hard time sleeping. So many people are trying to take natural and chemical herbs and medicines to get sleep. Sleep is getting harder and harder to come by for adults and for some teenagers as well. And wisdom is saying, this is not the cure-all, but this is a good place to start. With your sleeping, use your breath to usher you in to the sleep. And what that means is deep breathing from the diaphragm will help you to get into an altered state of alpha. That's that twilight right before you sleep, you slip into deep sleep. Doing the correct uh, amount of breathing as you lie prone on your floor, your bed or whatever, will help you to prepare your your brain to go through its processes that it's needed when you sleep and there is this it's called acetylcholine and it is a chemical wash if you will that douses the mind and gets it prepared to sleep it's actually been said it is the the known chemical that ushers in the dreaming state which is REM rep, rapid eye movement state and I could talk about the different phases of sleep but you don't need to know all of that to to grasp what wisdom has for us today and that is if you have to fight for your sleep as much as you can but also make sure that you give yourself the jump start of being able to go in deeper and being able to set your body up for what it needs to do to prepare you for a restorative sleep because during your sleep um and just briefly uh when we're awake it's beta when we're about to fall asleep or when we're about to wake up that's alpha and then we go into a deep sleep which is delta it's sound there is no dreaming it, it is where a lot of the reparative work happens uh and then we have REM that's where the dreaming goes on most people are familiar with the REM but we need the deep sleep so that we can remain healthy especially mentally healthy and so by using the breath 
by using that diaphragmic breath. And the way I usually explain it, especially when I'm guiding someone through a meditation or trying to help someone who's, you know, having um, an anxiety episode, breathe and take in the breath that is deep enough to reach the, um, the flower that sits at the bottom of your stomach and breathe in enough for the petals to completely open and then exhale enough for the petals to content to completely close up again and keep that going now at the time i didn't know what rickson uh gracie was saying about the exhale being more important but i instinctively knew that you wanted to get all that air out and also wilm hoff he also talks about the exhale and getting all of the air out because one of the ways he goes about helping people to do reparative work in their bodies through the breathing is he takes you through a set of breathing cycles of inhale and exhale and then on a certain number i think it's 26 on the 26th uh, cycle you push out all the air and you stop you do not inhale and you try to hold that for as long as possible and for Wilm, he says if he can get people to up up to where they can do two minutes uh that's enough time for the brain to reset and to start doing its work is how he explains it to start repairing and i've not gotten up to two minutes the closest i've ever gotten up to was a minute and 47 seconds but i will tell you you will start to get lightheaded your brain will say you're dying but you're not because even when you try to push out all of that oxygen you still got about 30 percent capacity uh, and so the feeling knowing that just by your very breathing pattern you have been able to effectively interact with your brain to reoxygenate it and to get it to you know run those synapses of electricity you know to be like oh, something's not working we've got to work harder it's very powerful and i for me just my personal experience i have been able to get deeper restorative sleep in that delta cycle where a lot of the human growth hormone is released where a lot of um the processes of ushering out all of those negative inputs that you've taken in through the day or the last few days is able to be pushed out to make room for new inputs to come in so that you can be more focused when you wake up and and be more calm and able to go about your day the next day and so like i said i could go on and on but i wanted to just make sure that i let you know that when you're trying to develop your mental health endurance and get it strong the best thing you can do is start with what's already given to you and that is your breathing and your sleeping when you become specifically goal oriented to have better sleep and to give yourself the opportunity to get this better sleep through conscious breathing you will be amazed at how all four four parts of the brain start to repair and become more cohesive to help you be sharper think uh, faster uh, maintain your balance and agility and movement and all of those things so guess what yeah my time is up i thank you for yours this has been michelle spiva your practical priestess of wisdom with today's podcast of wisdom smack
please don't forget to check the show notes and like, subscribe, and comment if you would. And if there is something that you would like for me to cover and consider, please drop me a note. The way to contact me is also in the notes. So I want you to have a wonderful rest of your day. And I want you to know that wisdom is with you. Have a wonderful one. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.